BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits and I'm bringing it to you real and unfiltered. I know there is so much information out there, so I'm here to help you navigate it all. Thanks for listening. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I have an exciting episode for you today. I am talking to Stephen Coletti, who I'm sure many of you are familiar with. A lot of you probably had a crush on him in high school during the Laguna Beach days. And he was just so fun to talk to. We had a great time, a lot of similarities, even though obviously our lives are very different. And it was really interesting hearing a lot of like the behind the scenes of reality TV and also kind of how that shaped him and how he moved forward from that. And we just get into a lot of different topics today. So of course, he was on Laguna Beach for two seasons. He also was on One Tree Hill. And then he has written, produced, and co-starred in Everyone is Doing Great, which is on Hulu. And now he and Kristen Cavallari are co-hosting a podcast on Dear Media called Back to the Beach. And they are re-watching seasons one and two of Laguna Beach and then spilling all the details. And that's a Dear Media show. It's going to be out on the 19th, so next Tuesday. And yeah, in the episode today, we, of course talk about Laguna Beach and he talks about like how that show came to fruition, how he ended up being on it, what it was really like being the star of one of the first kind of reality TV phenomenons. It was such a huge thing in pop culture at the time. He spills a lot of details of like what was fabricated versus what was real, what it was really like kind of being in the middle of this love triangle and what was really going on with that at the time with Kristen and Lauren LC. And then we kind of get into like how that shaped him and how he moved on and found purpose after the show. And then we talk a little bit about like moving on from unhealthy habits, learning how to be comfortable in your skin. It's actually funny. I think I probably say this to him in the episode. I can't remember, but I was going to do like 
part interview, part advice. I thought he would have an interesting perspective to give advice on some of the questions that you guys sent in. But we ended up kind of going off on this different direction. And we talked a lot about like wellness and growth and a lot of different things that kind of covered a lot of the questions that people sent in. So with that, I will stop rambling and get to the episode. I hope you guys enjoy Stephen Coletti. All right. Welcome, Stephen. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm very excited to get into everything that you're doing with the podcast and all things Laguna Beach. I, of course, grew up with Laguna Beach. I think we're the same age or maybe I'm a year older, but are definitely. We, I'm looking much more weathered than you are. You're, are you really my age? <laughs> yes. Well, well, well done. My listeners well, need... know there's a lot of maintenance that goes on here. <laughs> I'm going to need some tips so we could talk, we oh. could talk off of air. <laughs> yeah, we can talk after I got all the tips. <laughs> um, but it was such a big part of pop culture back in the day. It still kind of is. I'm, I'm wondering, like, I'm sure it's having a resurgence and especially with the podcast coming out that you and Kristen are doing on Dear Media. Like, it's so interesting how a lot of these things are kind of having like a second life. And I heard you doing another interview with James actually about One Tree Hill and how like that has had a resurgence, especially with streaming and people's kids are now watching it and all of that. And it's just really interesting. But to that point, you guys have a show on Hulu and the premise is basically people who are on a show together when they were younger, really popular, right? And then that show ends. And then it's kind of about like how they navigate their lives after that. And I would imagine it's partially autobiographical? Yeah, I mean, we, we'd like to joke with ourselves that it's this is a version of us that if we had taken a path continuing on down a road of just kind of, you know, the way you are the majority of your 20s, you're throwing caution to the wind, you're making a lot of mistakes, you're doing a lot of dumb things, hopefully you're learning from them. And thankfully, you know, the guys in the show, Seth and Jeremy, of course, it mirrors our lives and our experiences, you know, write what you know. And so we we have a very unique perspective. And I think that there's been certain situations that we have found ourselves in that we could tell and, and drop into these characters. But as far as the, I mean, these guys have, a, they're making a lot of bad decisions. They're absolute knuckleheads. And, and the whole part of the show is there's two guys that need to be leaning on each other at a very trying part of their lives. They both are, can't figure things out. You know, one is is just a completely lazy bum who's smoking weed and has no path forward. And the other is trying to carve out his path forward and trying almost too hard. But the harder he tries, you know, he, the, the further he falls. So um, having those two guys lean on each other was really the the whole, you know, beginning germ of the show and and playing with that. And so, you know, thankfully, while, you know, not on your HBO Game of Thrones type successful shows after a a good run on a show like One Tree Hill, we have been able to continue to work in the industry, but that it does come with a lot of growing pains and that and those are in the show and in these characters, it's ingrained with them along with a lot of the silly stuff that they go through. But, but yeah, we definitely feel like we had that unique point of view and have had had different struggles at different points in our lives. And we wanted to play with that. But, you know, these guys are in their early 30s as they're going through it. So it was a little late. And James and I can thankfully report that (laughs) we got through some stuff a little bit earlier, maybe not as as early as most, but (laughs) a little earlier than that. (laughs) I feel like you had such a unique experience with 
Laguna Beach and like being on reality TV before really what it is today. But I feel like at the time, there were actually less options. Like right now with streaming and everything, there's so much content out there that it's kind of hard to have a show like that, that really like captivates everybody. And I feel like that's what that did at the time. And you were kind of like thrust into stardom at a young age. So how did that all come to fruition? And then I'm curious, like how that did kind of shape who you are today. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, I mean, we were basically plucked from obscurity. It was it was something that was rumored for a little while, about a year of MTV wanting to do some sort of a documentary about kids in high school in California. It was now people like to parallel it to when the OC came out. And from what I hear from the producers of MTV, they were actually trying to do like a, a Melrose play. So the OC just happened to start to come out. And I think they even looked in LA, but eventually they moved down to Laguna. So there was a whole process on their development side as things go in Hollywood, takes a long time to eventually find Laguna and land there. And at the same time, the OC had been out for a year. So I think it really added to it all for them. But yeah, they all of a sudden, after all the rumors, they showed up one day on campus and they are just trying to meet people. And I kind of just stood back with a lot of the other guys, it seemed like it was a lot of the girls seemed to jump on it more. Guys were like trying to play it cool. I think a lot of us were still interested in what was going on. But, you know, when we caught dead going up to the, the table and picking up the packet in front of our other friends who were like, you know, FMTV, like whatever happened to music television. So and I was <laughs> one of those guys. Kids. Yeah. And I was one of those guys where at the time I knew I I wanted to work in entertainment. You can even go back to middle school when they're doing it for eighth grade. It was like they do the senior best like you do at senior year in high school, but they would do it for eighth grade when you're graduating eighth grade and going to high school. And one of the things was, you know, most likely to be an MTV VJ. And I wanted that secretly so bad, but I wasn't going to exactly go out and campaign for it or anything. So it's just kind of like I used to go home from school every day and watch Carson Daly on TRLs. I want his job. So obviously having MTV around, I was very curious about meeting some producers and some people from MTV. So during one of my classes, I excused myself to go to the bathroom. It was between break and lunch, second or, th or third or fourth period and went up to the producers and we're still standing there at the table, kind of organizing packets and was like, what are you guys doing? What's going on? And uh, and then they gave me one. I kind of took it home and kind of secretly filled it out. Didn't really tell my friends. And uh, I think what happened is they wind up, they wound up having a big meeting with a lot of the girls and they really started to get names and stuff like that. And from there, pulling the packets of maybe the guys that they had heard or that were mentioned and then bringing them in for an interview. So then I came in for an interview and uh, just was probably way too open with them. I feel like we just shot the shit. And I I was, it was funny. They came, they couldn't have come at a more perfect time. I think my, you know, obviously they jumped on this whole love triangle. And it was a time where Chris and I, after dating for a while, had really started to be on and off. Uh, and Lauren, who was one of my very good friends, you know, we had kind of tried dating for a minute, didn't really work out. And so they kind of picked up on all this. And then they ran with it, too, which we obviously did not figure out until a little later on, <laughs> you know, until it was too late, right? So yeah, and I think, uh, look, we never knew that it was going to be what it was. It was um, very overwhelming. I think I think when it all started to come out and it became this thing that was actually being watched by people, because I never thought people would take it seriously. And and I just thought we'd end up on a, in a box at MTV. But, you know, back then there are limited viewing options for the audience out there. There mm -hmm. are no streamers to go to. And when you're a kid in, you know, the aughts, you're watching stuff like MTV, VH1, and, and whatever they're showing on that channel is what you're watching. And you don't even have a TiVo or anything yet. So yeah. it's just like, it's appointment viewing. 
very excited about our next sponsor, Recreation Sweat, because it is my girl, Rachel DeVoe, a.k.a. Rachel's Good Eats. I'm sure tons of you follow her. So it's her incredible company that was basically born out of the pandemic. And I have been using some of these products, especially the bands and the sliders since they first came out. And you guys, Recreation Sweat really makes the absolute highest quality fitness products and accessories and guides. Rachel is a certified trainer. I'm sure, like I said, a lot of you follow her on Instagram, but if you don't, she develops and tests everything, everything. So every move, every guide, every product is thoughtful and tried and true. And what's really amazing about them are their convenience and their versatility. Recreation Sweat empowers women to work out anywhere. The accessories are really lightweight. The digital workout guides make exercise accessible without a gym membership and without heavy equipment. So you can really do this anywhere, whether you are a busy mom or you are a student or you're working full time. Everybody has really busy lives and the workouts are designed to fit into that. So I would definitely recommend the banded body guide. It's 30 workouts under 30 minutes, including 15 mini burnouts for stacking. So the workouts can be stacked together based on desired training time or muscle group. You can just grab your resistance bands, the banded body guide and take the gym with you wherever you go. I should also mention that the bands and the accessories in general are very chic. So They are not these kind of -of run-of-the-mill accessories that you might be thinking of. I love the different colors of the bands. Definitely check them out. I know you guys will love them. So you can visit recreationsweat.com for more information, and you can use the code BLONDE, B-L-O-N-D-E, at checkout for 20% off your first purchase. Again, that's recreationsweat.com, and the code is BLONDE for 20% off your first purchase. You guys may or may not know that I finally got the virus a few weeks ago, unfortunately. (laughs) And this is not medical advice by any means, but I was talking to my doctor here in LA throughout the whole thing because I did kind of have it worse than I expected. And I was having a hard time staying hydrated. And one thing that he recommended doing and staying on top of was incorporating electrolytes. And luckily, when I was in New York, I had a whole package of Element. So Element is a really delicious electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing that you don't. They have lots of salt, no sugar, none of the junk, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. And Element is formulated to help anybody with their electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited no matter what lifestyle or diet you follow. It contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio. So it's a thousand milligrams of sodium. 200 milligrams of potassium and 60 milligrams of magnesium. And I like taking these regularly anyway. They can really help to aid in recovery from workouts. It really helps me a lot with bloating. This is kind of a hack that my nutritionist years ago told me to do. He wanted me to add Celtic sea salt to my water and it was just kind of gross. I couldn't be consistent with it, but it really helps so much with fluid retention, which is kind of counterintuitive. And this is such an easy way to incorporate them. So they have a bunch of different flavors. I will tell you the ones that I was doing consistently. So I was 
really into the citrus salt this time around. I also love the orange salt. I love the watermelon salt, but they're all really good. They have mango chili, raspberry, grapefruit. They also have an unflavored one. And it's amazing. Element is loved by professional athletes. A lot of teams are given this via their performance coach or nutritionist. It's used by Olympic athletes and also us regular people love it too. So you guys definitely need to get on this. Element has a great deal for you. You guys can purchase an Element sample pack for the cost of shipping. So it's just $5 on US orders at drinkelement.com slash blonde files. And if you're not happy, they will refund your money. No questions asked. Again, that's drinkelement, drinklmnt.com slash blonde files. And you can get a sample pack for the cost of shipping. Hello, I'm Ariana Maddox, reality TV star, author, mixologist, and major daydreamer. My show, Earth to Ariana, is where we can all get lost in conversation together. Whether it's the weird things we fangirl over or our trauma and triumphs, we all have a story to tell, including you. We really are all connected, and I can't wait to explore these conversations with you. Every week, we will be putting on our comfiest PJs, circling up with a cocktail, and chatting with fans and friends alike. We might even get a little too comfortable. Check out Earth to Ariana anywhere you listen to podcasts. We release new episodes every week. And so, you know, I, it, it caught fire and, and became something bigger than we definitely expected. And, you know, I was, it was, it was tr- tough for me to try to adapt. I just try to kind of live in denial about being famous. It was like, this is not really a thing. <laughs> Maybe some people are watching it. And I just was trying to go about of my life, even though I, I still wanted to work with MTV, but it was the whole, the extreme fame that kind of came with it at that moment, which was really mm-hmm. trying because I elected to go to school in San Francisco to kind of have a new start. Like I was like, all right, a lot of kids from Laguna and our little bubble, the bubble shift to USC, Santa Barbara, San Diego. And you're still with some same friends. I wanted some culture. I wanted to meet some people. And so I wanted to not start anew, but just like start fresh in, in a way. <laughs> and I go up there and about a month into college, Laguna Beach starts airing. And so from being unknown around campus wow. to now being, that's the guy from the TV show. And, and I mean, I was in the dorms and, and you're walking down the hall to go to the showers and literally an arm would just pop out of a door and it would be a camera and just like, click, click. And you're just like, oh, damn it. Oh my God. Um, and that was before social media, right? Or like the very, very early days of Facebook, maybe? It was the very, very early days of Facebook. So I wasn't on it yet. And not a lot of people were on it yet. But I think mm-hmm. the the class before me is when Facebook really started. And then, yeah, it wasn't until about 2006 when it really started to pick up with MySpace and Facebook. So mm-hmm. that was the internet was it was growing rapidly at that time. But yeah, there's still just the the, you know, people coming up to you and taking pictures, which I was okay with. It's fine to do it. If they're really interested, I'm like, oh, it's, it's okay. But it's just the whole weird, the fame for something that is so silly to me. It's like the show is about these people's kind of lives in a way. It's very sensationalized version mm-hmm. of their lives. It was MTV's version of our lives. And for that to be like, I guess to be famous for that and, and, and for people to like want a picture with you, it didn't really compute for me. How much of it was real? You said it's sensationalized. So like how much of it was kind of curated by MTV and how much of it was real? 
Um, you know, it's, it's, they have the foundation of all the relationships of these people knowing each other, right? Mm -hmm. And it's my belief is that they, once they learned everything, and kind of had an idea, they had their finger on the pulse of what was going on in this high school and these kids and their relationships. They really set up situations for that to thrive again, hopefully. And if it didn't, they were going to edit it to make it so. And for me personally, and which has been kind of shocking and watching back the first season of Laguna Beach, is that they dragged out this love triangle over the course of the whole, you know, basically 11, I think it's 11 episodes in the first season, which make it seem over like a six month period. And it just, it just wasn't the case. Again, they had, there had been, when they came around, Chris and I had been, you know, broken up for a minute and Lauren and I had tried to date and, and in our little terms back then it was, it was hooking up, right. It was the yeah. hookup culture of high school, but we never kind of really took that next step to a relationship. And then Kristen and I would start dating together again, uh, seriously. And so, but MTV, you know, kind of heard that like there's feelings there. And again, it was, it was, so they, they really jumped on that and they tried to make it the fact that they made it seem over like multiple episodes over multiple months that I'm like playing both of these girls. Like they, they, there's episodes that are edited that are like, I when one night hanging out with, with Lauren and then, and they made it seem like we're like sleeping together. And then the very next night I'm going over to Christian's house and it's like, it was not like that. And, and look, there was like, look, it's not, it was not pretty back then as far as like, you know, people when you're single hookup culture and all that, but to, mm -hmm. to make it seem like I was just this guy that's like out there trying to like, all right, let's see how long I could get away with just playing both these girls it's not true. Like I did not have fun in that situation. Like Kristen was my first love in, in high school and, and, you know, I'd, I'd been cheated on. And so we would break up and I was devastated. And then you kind of go, you know, you naturally you go and you're with a friend and, and then that, that doesn't work out, unfortunately. And you kind of, you know, and so it's feelings are being hurt and, and it was, you know, not something that I was seeking. It was, it was, an, it was a victim of circumstance in a way, but of course I, there are, you know, there, there's, there's blame to be had on my end of decisions that I made and at, at those, at that point, but to have that kind of drawn out through all those episodes, you're able to see a lot of moments where they're editing together certain things to make it fit their storyline. So, right. you know, that's a very long way of saying that you could put it probably somewhere around 50, 50, but mm -hmm. I would put it, there are pivotal moments in that show that I think stuck out as far as like, Oh, like, you know, you could see what's going on. This is what they've got this relationship going on on the side where it is heavily edited and they're using lines, wild lines that we were recording on a different day, looks from other scenes to piece together their story. So mm -hmm. look, the foundation of relationships are there, but the story that MTV told is sensationalized a lot. We are talking about healthy habits and consistency in this episode. And one habit that I have been very consistent with over the past year or so has been drinking my AG1. So this is kind of an all-encompassing habit. It's a little bit of like a hack, if you will. And basically what it is, is one scoop of AG1 from Athletic Greens has 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. 
This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of the things. So I like to do it first thing in the morning on an empty stomach. I just mix it with water. I like to add a couple ice cubes sometimes. And it's something that I have really come to crave. I talk about it a lot. It has a really unique flavor. So it's kind of like a little bit of a pineapple vanilla kind of flavor, but it's not overpowering at all. And it's just like the first thing that I look forward to in the morning before I have my matcha and anything else. So it's kind of this one micro habit that, like I said, encompasses so many different things. It kind of eliminates the need to take a ton of different supplements and vitamins and all of that. And it's also very lifestyle friendly. It has less than one gram of sugar, which is great. A lot of green juices that you can buy pre-made have tons of sugar and they lose a lot of their nutritional value. There's also no GMOs, no chemicals, no artificial anything while still tasting really good. So right now, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash blondefiles. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash blondefiles to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Everyone loves taking online quizzes, right? Or is that just me? I think I've talked about this before, but I will take any online quiz ever. I think the obsession probably started with those BuzzFeed quizzes a long time ago. But anyway, what if I told you you could take an online quiz and at the end of it, you would have clothes sent to you that were handpicked especially for you unique to your size style and your budget that's basically what happens with stitch fix so stitch fix knows that shopping for clothes can be daunting you never know if things will fit returns are always difficult sometimes you don't even know where to start so stitch fix is doing all the hard work for you so it's easy and fun to get started like i said you just take a few minutes to set up your profile and then you take a quiz you answer questions about what you like to wear what you don't they give you different examples of outfits and you can say whether you'd wear certain things or if you like the whole look and you do that until they can really fine tune what your style is. And then Stitch Fix will send you five pieces to try on at home. You can keep what you love and send back what you don't. And shipping returns and exchanges are easy and free. Plus, there's no subscription required. You just try it once or set up automatic deliveries. There are no hidden fees ever. And you can sign up for Stitch Fix and get the latest pieces for women, men, and kids. So sign up today at stitchfix.com slash blonde to get $20 off your first purchase. That's stitchfix.com slash blonde to get $20 off your first purchase. This is a limited time offer. So purchase within two days of sign up. I will say though, I haven't watched it in a long time, but I feel like you never really came off as the villain, even though they did have you kind of like seem like you were playing these two girls. I felt like the focus was kind of on Kristen <laughs> as being like kind of the bad guy yeah. in the show. And you came off pretty well, despite the circumstances. Like, I don't feel like you got the blame. Maybe you did personally, or it felt that way, but it seemed like it was more like the burden was more on her. You know, it's interesting you say that there are, we talk about certain things that in reality shows where they find a certain 
part of your personality and they kind of latch onto it and they really, they really expand on that and make mm-hmm. it a thing. Like Kristen was, and she actually kind of ran with this later to her credit, was very smart and ran with it with the Hills and helped build her brand. But she was the bitch, if you will. Right. Yeah. And that was just, she was kind of brutally honest and she'll admit now that she was you know, an insecure girl in high school. And, and she said a lot of things as a lot of us do just because you're insecure and, and you're, you're projecting in a way. And, you know, Lauren to contrast that in this little love triangle was, you know, Oh, I don't want to say soft-spoken because she stood up for herself a lot in, in the show, but just, you know, sweeter. And when it wasn't so quick to talk bad about people or say something maybe brutally honest, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so it was tough to see for Kristen that that she they made her seem terrible. And and even watching it back, we joke in the first couple episodes, it was like, wow, I don't even know why anybody would ever root for us. They may have seemed like the worst couple in the history of relationships. <laughs> like these two are complete assholes. They're both playing each other and they should never be together. And so that was tough to see, you know, that they never showed the good. And then even as we as we see this is what's been fascinating about watching it, we see the development of our little relationship in MTV's world. They eventually start to show some quote unquote good, if you will, which is us kind of going on a couple of dates. And it seems like Lauren's out of the picture in their world. And, but even then they'll take like little awkward moments of like, maybe Kristen's like, you know, lying about her score on, on miniature golf or, or like saying like, are you, you know, are, are you just saying that to me just to like, make me feel good? like parts of little moments of conversations between the two of us that still make it seem like, oh, these two people should not be together because it mm-hmm. plays to their to their narrative. Um, and that was that was frustrating because, you know, we Kristen and I dated for a couple of years and, and went through a lot of ups and downs, but we had a lot of fun together. And the memories looking back are, are very fond. And so there's that I say for myself also. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's tough because to me, the whole love triangle thing is silly. I mean, guys would be like, yeah, bro, like, dude, you're like playing those two girls and like want to high five me at bars. I'm like, Oh no, it's it's not cool, man. Like it's not, it was not fun. And another thing is there, I had this, you know, one episode where, you know, I I had way too much tequila. We were in Cabo and I, and I blew up on Kristen on camera, which was a huge mistake. And my one, I guess, big regret, if you will, of, of the show as the way I handled that situation. And from there, you could see that how they reverse engineered so much of, of that moment into episodes leading up and to episodes after as now Steven is the jealous rage guy. And I mean, that is like one of my top three most like drunk, messy moments of my mm-hmm. life is being completely blacked out on tequila and Cabo at one of the worst parts of my relationship with somebody. And so mm-hmm. everything coming to a head and then to them have them spread out through a few other episodes, you know, jealous rage guy was, was tough to see. Exploitative. But. Yeah, but look, at the same time, it, you're, I mean, that's the correct word. It's exploitative, but it's their job. I mean, this is what yeah. they're creating is entertaining television. And people are watching reality TV to watch. Look, I mean, I think they want to, these days, it's it's different. You're, you're, you're seeing some drama, but you're learning about stuff, whether it's real estate or travel or, mm-hmm. or different parts of, you know, of, you know, the country and, and work and people's jobs. But back then it was like, we just want some of the worst moments of these people's lives. Some of the yeah. worst things that they say some of the drunkest moments, some of their missteps to be at the forefront of the story because that's what's going to be entertaining to the audience. I'm just sitting here thinking if I had had cameras on me (laughs) when I was that age and all of my, I had a really toxic 
relationship as well, like throughout high school and beginning of college and, you know, drinking all the time. Like it's just, I just cannot imagine. Did you feel kind of traumatized by that after, or did you just kind of, I mean, you seem very like even keeled, level-headed, you're a rational guy. When that experience was over, were you like, never again, did you feel like it was, I don't know, like how did that affect you in the long run, I guess, is my question. Yeah, I wanted to get out of it as soon as possible. I I did not want to be in the second season as I, I really kind of got a little wise to what they were doing. So I turned down a lot more stuff in that second season. Thankfully, they still, I guess I say, thankfully, this is, I'm thinking on, on contractual terms because there was a, a renegotiation for Lauren and I in the second season where we actually got a little bit of an episode rate that was a little bit more than the pennies that we were given for the first season. So there was there was nice that they kind of used some pieces or that I was, you know, that I was in that I was like, not as much as they expected to, you know, to use me. But, you know, I, yeah, I reality TV it was, it was shocking and very uncomfortable. And I just wanted to run away from it. And so I... <laughs> Don't ask me why, but from there, after I, I enjoyed working at MTV for TRL, it was a really fun experience and it was something I thought I wanted to do at the time, but I, I quickly found an interest more in acting. It's something I'd done in middle school, started to learn it a little more and, and caught the bug. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do not recommend you start your career with a reality TV show before <laughs> going into a serious acting career. It's not exactly the the best path, but for me, it was at that time, you know, I think I was so young when I did that show and I still, you know, I had a lot that I, I needed to learn and, and grow upon. And, and even though this whole identity that MCV had created for me and that kind of the early blogs ran with of like this, you know, I don't know, it was, I just, there were some things that were online at the time, some of the early blogs that would bother me. And we were easy targets and they'd mm-hmm. go after. And it was, I felt so misunderstood because it was like, I'm not this kid who's sitting here trying to be famous and just like be a complete wreck. And like, you know, again, the whole kind of player persona that that the, the show uh, had put on me. And so, you know, I just kind of tried to settle back. I, st- I was living in LA. And so at the same time, it was like, this weird juxtaposition of like trying to live under a rock and focus on studying acting and apply myself there. But at the same time, I did enjoy going out. I got caught up in a lot Mm -hmm. of the, like, people are inviting you to things. There is a party every single night and you're still, you're 20 years old, 19 years old. And you're like, Oh my gosh. And you have access because of the show, I would imagine. Yeah. So it, it was, it was difficult at the time to say no. And that's something that's taken me time in my twenties to, to really grasp is to be able to say no to things. And, mm-hmm. and while I, I look, I took work hard, play hard to heart. I think that's it. Like I had a lot of fun, but I also, you know, I, I took care of business when I needed to and, and, and would not let the two overlap, you know, too much. I think, uh, of course, early on, probably some, there's some things I can look back on, on the way I think I looked in my early twenties as I was clearly boozing majority of the night's you know, more nights than I wasn't is basically the facts, which as a lot of us do, though, that's forgivable. Yeah. And uh, the old baby fat in the face carried on a little longer than it should have in my 20s. But that was yeah, that was a very swollen, drunken <laughs> man. Um, but you know, I think it, it helped me find a sense of normalcy as weird as that is, because I, I hated going out to clubs in Hollywood. It, it just was not 
it seemed it was what everyone was doing. So you did it, but it's just a loud place. You're yelling at the friend next to you. There's, there's, you know, some people you don't want to be around too consistently that are frequenting those places. And there's a lot being thrown at you, you know? Yeah. And, and so, you know, thankfully I, I kind of, you know, there'd be times where it would be, I would, you know, really, all right, I need to chill out, you know, we're, we're having a little too much fun. Quote unquote, mm-hmm. fun. And <laughs> I, I would do that. And thankfully, you know, I had work, whether it was going to work for MTV in New York or eventually going to North Carolina to work on One Tree Hill, that would get me out of LA, which I am very grateful for because it it kept me on my path and, you know, kind of kept me focused on on where I needed to be headed. But again, that took time. I mean, I really didn't, Mm -hmm. I feel like it didn't click. I didn't become comfortable with myself until I was in my late 20s. And that's with the fame, with the fact of doing Laguna Beach and understanding what I needed to do, where, what was my path forward and how I was going to go about it. Because yeah, before that, it was early twenties. You're just saying yes to everything and um, yeah, trying to just skip your so way through important it. that's so important for the audience to hear though, because my audience ranges like, I mean, probably as young as like 18 all the way through like 60, but a lot of them are kind of twenties, early thirties. And I know for me and a lot of people, I think when you're in your 20s, you feel like you need to have it all figured out. You why why don't you feel comfortable in your skin? And it really for me too, like once I hit my early 30s, like late 20s, late, late 20s, early 30s, that's when I started to like feel like I was leveling out a little bit and like achieve comfort in my skin. And I feel like it only gets better every year. But when you're in your 20s, you're having this existential thing where you feel like you have to have it all figured out. And oh my God, I'm coming up on 30 and like, I don't know what I'm doing and I feel uncomfortable. And so it's something is wrong with me. And I think that's just so normal. So I think it's helpful to hear your perspective on that too, that that was your experience. Yeah. You know, I feel a lot of it is a pressure to, because yeah, you think you have it all figured out, but you yeah. really, you really, really don't. And so in, in doing so, I think the saying yes and being around certain things that you wouldn't necessarily normally be around or you wouldn't you would say no to easily in your mm-hmm. 30s i think it's important for people to to learn that look it's it's good to go out there and, and experience things because obviously knowledge comes from experience and, and i learned a lot uh, but i feel like the quicker you can kind of focus in what it is you want mm-hmm. and and work towards that with discipline then you're going to be ahead of the pack which i think is what we're ultimately all wanted to do back then you kind of to show up and and you know whether it's going to these parties or going to social events and, and looking a certain way and, and, and talking about the great things you're doing within your jobs. Like it's, you're, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to share that you've got it all figured out and, and, and that everything is, is, is fine when, when it's not necessarily, and it's okay that it's not, but I think that the quicker you can kind of really lock into what's driving you is key. Cause then you'll realize that's much more important than what is ultimately hollow which is going out and trying to project that your life is great and you've got all these great things going on. And, and ultimately you're actually going out and wasting time. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk about that a lot. Like I feel like a lot of my twenties were spent trying to, I don't know, put on this facade and that facade like nearly took me out. It's, it's like, mm. it wasn't until I started peeling back those layers and like being okay. It sounds so cliche, like so cheesy, but I think everybody does it too. Like, I, yeah. I feel like everyone gets caught up in that. That's what your twenties are for. I mean, it's a cliche cause it's true. There, there are, you know, yeah, that, that trial and error is, is key. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, to me, thankfully getting to a point of understanding 
take for example a friday night you know you got those friends that are maybe a little bit later to to kind of figure out the like wait going out every weekend night is not a great thing mm-hmm. like it's it's not the right decision ultimately as we're all trying to build careers and move <laughs> ourselves forward in life um but, but look maybe for some and networking in a way sure if you could do it maybe sober <laughs> then that's great but to uh, say yes to every Thursday, Friday, Saturday night and realize kind of uh, as you get a little older, it's getting, you're a little sluggish going into your next week. You're also like, it, it, it's taking a toll on your body inside mm-hmm. and out. You know, thankfully I kind of realized somewhere around 27, 28 that look, it's important for me, especially with my job, you know, to be a lot more, I think, clean cut in the, you know, keeping things together and then keeping things healthy, making good decisions. Mm-hmm. And so I started to adapt that and it took time and it was tough. But, you know, as things should be in life that are important, once I got there, I was, I was so happy to kind of reach another side where it was like uh, the idea of like, honestly, working out on a Friday night mm-hmm. and waking up Saturday morning, feeling great, knowing that just a few months earlier and still what a lot of my friends are doing my age are out there now waking up completely hungover, having spent a bunch of money the night before. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, you feel like you're getting ahead and that's like a weird thing for me that I, I kind of clicked into in my twenties where it's like, look, you need to find a way to feel like you're, you know, you're, you're out in front of the pack a little bit in, in some little way because you're in a very competitive industry and it's not that you need to go out and share all that. It doesn't, you don't need to necessarily put all these Friday night workouts on Instagram, but it will come out. I feel like, you know, you really want that respect. It's going to be something that is people will learn that from, Mm -hmm. you know, they'll they'll find that out from you. And, and at first it's going to be tough. Like for me, at first, a lot of my friends would make fun of me. Like, Oh, what do you, you have nothing going on. You don't have a real job. Like you don't have, what are you doing? And I'm like, "Ah." like, sure. I don't have a real job, but like my company is my myself, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and yeah, I, it's, it's, I report to myself and if I'm not doing well, and if I'm just blowing shit off then how well is my company doing? Yeah. Doing it's doing terribly. I feel like it really helps with like, to what you were saying before, like finding your purpose and like being focused. I got sober in my twenties and I don't know, people always ask me like, again, those same people, I think who are like in their twenties, feeling a little bit aimless or even thirties, whatever, Mm -hmm. not able to find something that they're passionate about and not able to find a purpose and, or feel like they're working towards something in life, like stripping away a lot of that bullshit (laughs) really helps. Like it really does. Yeah. But I think a lot of people are, it's, it's hard to do though. I mean, it can be really hard. I think, and, and finding out, pinpointing out what that stuff is in your life. Yeah. And, it's, and some of it is having, for me, another, a, a really big thing is having honest conversations with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there, there could be, there's certain people in your life, maybe that, you know, that you, you do love, but ultimately it's, it's an unhealthy relationship, you know, looking at that, looking at, you know, just certain decisions that you're making and, and how you're going about your business and don't, don't you sell yourself on this lie of like, oh, I'm working hard, right? Mm-hmm. People are quick, quick to throw out. I'm working hard. Mm-hmm. Well, how hard are you actually working? Like, have you said no more times than you've said yes? Have you put yourself in a lot of positions where you're like, fuck, I'm missing out on this because I got to do the more maybe responsible thing or the thing that I don't necessarily want to do, but it ultimately I know is good for my work or furthering myself as a human being or as a professional. You know, those are going to be hard decisions to make and it may alienate you a little bit. Like it's, like I said earlier, some of your friends are going to judge you. And I think that's when you know you're in a good spot. Yeah, like it kind of weeds out, I think. Yep. A lot of yeah. people, it, it like prunes, 
the yeah you know you're right and you do you do find the people that i think that are receptive to that there will be plenty mm-hmm. of people like that 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 respect that like those are the people that you want around mm-hmm. right I love it. You know, it's so funny. I was telling you before we started recording that I was going to have people send in questions for advice. And I feel like we're just doling out the advice without even asking the <laughs> question. <laughs> but a lot of them are things that people were asking me, like how to change careers, how to find something that you're passionate about, how to feel comfortable and confident, you know, in mm-hmm. these different stages in your life. So I'm curious, aside from like, the changes that you were just talking about, if there's a change that you can think of that you made in your life that like impacted the trajectory or impacted who you are today? Yeah, it, it's, it's a pretty simple one, which is just consistently working out in whatever form that that, that is for you. I was never a gym guy. I, I grew up playing golf and soccer. So a I long walk, right? Yeah. Well, it's, it's a, a walk, walk a, spoiled or something. A walk in a park ruined. Yeah, basically. Oh. Or a long walk spoiled. You're, you're right. That's, that's the same idea. And so, you know, I, I was active uh, at the beach. I would skim and surf growing up. So I kind of had that. But again, the, the whole going to the gym wasn't my thing. And even when I started to, it, it, it took time and I would just kind of, go through the motions in the gym and it, it wasn't mm-hmm. very disciplined. You're just kind of there. And over time, I kind of started setting goals. And it's this weird thing that I, I'll, I'll pinpoint. And I, I started setting a goal for how many days a week I wanted to work out. And ultimately, how many days a month and ultimately what my, my year goal was. And to have that accountability with myself, I had just this little wall calendar. And for every day that I had a good workout that was something that was sufficient, definitely broke a good sweat and not like just a walk to the grocery store and back. I would throw G on my calendar and it was mainly for gym. And, you know, at the time I also went, I just, I think I just got a membership to like an Equinox, which is normally incredibly overpriced. And, you know, eventually I did learn you really can't put a price on fitness. It really is important for, you know, obviously your physical being, but also your mental being. And it took time for me, but I, I eventually started to get up to my goal and, and I hit it. And even though that year was over and you're kind of like, oh, I was kind of sad to see the calendar being thrown away. I'm like, you know, I, I put a lot of work in there. I moved into the, to the next year, but it also clicked for me of like, kind of what I alluded to earlier, like waking up on, on maybe a Saturday morning, not feeling well and, and hung over from a day before I, I no matter how much fun I had the night before, no matter how great and all the best people in my life were there, I, I still felt better, obviously, when I went and did a workout. And mm-hmm. so, you know, from there, again, it was the hard thing over what might be the easier, more fun thing. And, and to start to get that routine and, and make fitness a big part of my life, it really helped stabilize me mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. I moved out of LA two years ago. And one of the big reasons was I wanted to be back in the water at the beach a lot. You just don't really do that up in LA. You know, it's the, in, in, in Santa Monica where I live, the, the beach is a little different from Laguna. So, you know, started surfing again and it's just, that's just become, you know, obviously something that's, that's really centered me and, and that I feel that I need now. And I'm not the same or not working and operating at my best unless I'm, I'm doing that. And it's okay to look, it's, I, I, I'm okay when I take breaks or if it has dips and, and you can take your vacations and whatnot, but knowing that like, that's what you always need to come back to or like, Oh, I'm not feeling, I'm feeling a little off mm-hmm. these last two weeks. Well, you haven't been working out these last two weeks. So start, you know, riding the ship again that way. I love it. Well, this is a wellness podcast at the end of the day. So <laughs> 
<laughs> bringing the hot tips. I think it's important though, for people to like, just take inventory of their life. I don't think enough people do that. And like, look at what's working and look at what's not working and where do you want to be and what is holding you back from being there. And I like that idea of like having a visual, I'm a very visual person. And I think in your head, it can seem like one thing, but when you see it in front of you, you're like, Oh, I'm actually only doing this two days out of seven or whatever. Like it's just yep. completely different. I yeah. Yeah. I think that is something, I mean, I still write goals and I have to write them down on a piece of paper. I don't type them in the notes on my, my phone. They have to be yeah. in a notebook. And that's a, another thing for me that I've found that really helps center me and, and keep me disciplined and, and focused is, you know, where, where I'm keeping my stuff organized that are not just thoughts in my head, things that I want to be doing, or I don't know. I have so many notes in my cell phone. My notes app is, it's completely unorganized. It's saying that I, that I almost am like, I can't really put anything that, that I need to hold myself accountable for in mm -hmm. there because also, I mean, our phones are such a distraction in so many ways that you can go from that, like reviewing your goals on your notes app to maybe or getting halfway down the, the, the goals mm -hmm. list. And then all of a sudden you're on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so it's like, we're all guilty of it. And, and so to have that separated out and yeah, again, I mentioned that wall calendar that was helpful at that point in my life to then being able to actually write down physically, you know, goals and, and stuff that is important. It, it registers in a different place in your mind than just obviously jotting something into a notes app. Really? I'm the same. I'm such a proponent of like putting pen to paper, like actual pen to paper, not notes. There is something so different about it. And I feel like I heard some very smart person, can't remember who they were, what they did or anything, but talking about like why exactly it is that mm. it's different when you're like writing something versus yeah. when you're typing it or. It's funny that it's like, I mean, think about notes app being the go-to, how would you say this? Almost, I don't even know if you can call it stationary, but like yeah. if you're seeing it, if we have an apology to write, like maybe at the top of the list is going to be type it into your notes app and, and throw yeah. it on your screen this is what we've seen in our society. And it's just funny that it's become a thing where it was like, Oh, got to do the, the notes app apology, you know, yeah. and it's it, the long lost art of, of writing a, a letter to somebody. I, I say like, look, it, when I get a thank you card from somebody that is handwritten, I write them back and say, mm -hmm. thank you for your thank you card. That is mm -hmm. handwritten because there is nothing greater than a handwritten note. And I try to handwritten thank yous whenever I can. I'm not hundred yeah. percent great about it, but you know, it's whenever you can, I highly suggest doing that and mailing it to somebody. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's just different, but look also, yeah. but there's also certain business things or certain, you know, acquaintances and stuff. It doesn't really call for it, but mm -hmm. for people that are important to you, I think writing stuff down and, and expressing it that way is, is important. I love the thank you for the thank you note. <laughs> I get it. But I'm like that, that will set off like a huge, like just an endless cycle. But I feel yeah. the same way. If I get something like that, I'm like, Oh, thank you. Like, that's just how I am. Yeah. By yeah. Nature. yeah, I'm a bit of a people pleaser. That's kind of how I am. <laughs> that's funny. I am too. I feel like we're similar in a lot of ways. So your podcast comes out on the 19th, right? Yes. 19th. Okay, so this is going to come out next Wednesday, I believe. So it'll be like Wednesday before it comes out on Tuesday, right? Okay. About a week before. Yep. It's a Tuesday. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Since Kristen was your first love, you guys have this whole history. Like, what is it like doing this show with her and tell everybody kind of the premise of the podcast? So the podcast, we, 
basically it's it's Kristen Cavallari and myself. We we were re-watching the first two seasons of Laguna Beach, the ones that we were in. There was a third season of Laguna, but we're not in it. So we we elected to to just skip that and and go through what was also important for us to kind of keep it limited to kind of what we knew of the show and, and not go off too much. We didn't know, you know, how interested people would be in, in talking about 70 episodes of reality TV if we continued on. So like, all right, we'll just keep it. Let's do more of a limited mm-hmm. series, if you will. And we basically uh, separately, we watch the episodes and then we come together with notes. So we discuss you know, what we saw, memories that have popped up, what was real, what was not real. One of our, our biggest segments, if you will, or bits are MTV or IRL what's in real life and what was MTV. And there is, oh my gosh, there is so much to be broken down in every little scene. I mean, we wanted our episodes to kind of be a little shorter, maybe 35 minutes, but everyone has been around 45 minutes plus. <laughs> I, I'm not sure where they're going to end up if they're all edited down, but it's just, it's been this fascinating roller coaster of like all the different memories that come flooding back that you totally forgot about. So also comparing notes of like, what did, you know, what was happening on your end at this time? And why did you say this or do that? Or who were you saying that to? Or who were you actually talking about? To also just examining what life was like back in the mid-aughts, which is, you know, barely getting cell phones. We've got VCRs. Yes, yeah. There's no, you know, we've got big ass TVs as far as, you know, <laughs> there's no flat screen TVs. It's They're just super clunky and ugly. Some of the fun, I mean, the sidekick cell phones eventually. So we really have fun kind of breaking down. There's some, the nostalgia of it all. And then also going into the, the details of what exactly MTV was portraying of our lives and, and how it differed from what was really happening. And and then behind the scenes, like what, what you didn't, what you didn't see a lot of, and this is, you know, coming back to Chris and I's relationship with this, this podcast and, and our relationship from back in the day, we get to share some really fun stories of what we did, like of some good trouble that we got into back in the day and, and also some of the bad trouble. And I mean, we share anything from, you know, big blow up fights that we had off camera to, you know, ditching school and going places. I mean, even talking about maybe running away at one point, like we go through all these funny memories that we didn't necessarily plan on going through, but as we go through and and discuss it together, these, these things pop up and we love it when we surprise each other on the show. And one of my, my favorite moments is when, when Kristen kind of says like, Oh, Hey, are you okay? If we talk about, and she'll quickly kind of like throw something out that'll, you know, spark a memory of mine. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. She's like, yep, yeah, fuck it. We can edit it later. And whenever she says, fuck it, we can edit it later. And then goes into a story. I'm like, okay, here we go. This is going to be a good one. And so there's a ton of that material. And of course, we bring in our, our cast members and different guests related to the show and discuss their experiences as well. And it's been really fun connecting with them. And yeah, look, I, Chris and I have you know, we've connected over the last couple of years and it, it's been fun to do so because we shared such a big history and our little relationship back in the day, mm. but we're, we're good friends now. And it's been, it's been really fun working with her on this. You know, she was at the top of the list. She is a spark and the gunpowder well, <laughs> and a wick. She's a spark, a wick and, and the, and the firecracker all, all wrapped up into one. I really have a lot of respect for her and, and what she's done with her life. So we have a really good experience and look, she doesn't hold back and she's going to, she's going to tell it how it is. And so having all that whole dynamic play out has been really fun and we're excited for the audience to check it out. Sounds incredible. I can't wait to listen to it. And I'm sure everybody listening is very excited too. So where can everybody find the podcast? It's on Dear Media. It comes out 19th, as we said. Yes, we've yeah on Dear Media, just like yourself, who 
we've had an amazing experience working with. They're a fantastic team over there. And we are going to launch where, where everyone, where all you can get your podcasts, where, where all podcasts are on all of them, Spotify, Amazon, iTunes. Yeah. Wherever Maybe. podcasts are available, Pitcher. you can find us. Yeah. What else is there? There's so many now. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We didn't hey, get they, to do the advice because we just uh, covered yeah, it I, already. Was I long-winded again? No, it's great. <laughs> I told you, I think we covered a lot of people's questions and then some. So thank you so much for coming on. Hey, well, thank you for having me. It was wonderful chatting with you. Of course. hope you enjoyed that episode. If you liked it, and if you like the show in general, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way, and it's actually the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. I'm always posting about each episode there or over on my personal page at Ariel Laurie.